You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. So great to have you join us, Instagram and Facebook. Want to say, I want everyone to say a big God bless you to Charles, Mary, and all the gang up in the atrium. Let's say God bless you at the count of three. One, two, three. And to anyone down in Cafe Church, one, two, three. Praise God. You know, God isn't uh, hindered or hampered, hampered, hindered or hampered by geography or distance. Jesus Christ can move anywhere. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get straight into the word. And um, I really want to share this today, but I'm going to open with a strange story. For the last nine months, I've been passing a building, coming into work here in the church office and coming in every Sunday. And the building is a fine building with a lovely slate roof. But some time ago, they took out the windows and they put up boards and they boarded up the windows and doors. And there was a sign up that said, building site, work in progress. And I've been driving by it, but this week I saw all of the boards on the windows pulled off and they put in beautiful big windows and the day was passing, the sun was shining and I could see the light shining in to that building. It's like the boards were blocking the light for a season. And I know God wants me to say to men and women here today, up in the atrium, down in Cafe Church, watching online, that the Holy Spirit is pulling the boards off your windows. Hallelujah. I think there's someone here and this is all new to you. You've never known light pouring in. Well, today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Because Jesus will shine the light into your life like he did to mine and like he did to many others. That sign said, work in progress. Sometimes when God is doing a work in your life, it's like we can't see what's happening. But God knows what's happening. You go into a house that's been done up, it's a mess. It's a building site. But you know what? When the builders move out, it's clean again. And the Jesus I know in the Bible cleans up every mess. Would anyone say amen? Amen. So keep that in mind. I think that's speaking to some Christians who've been through a hard time. And the Lord is saying, I'm opening up the light in your life. I'm taking down the boards. And he's also saying it to some who are brand new. And I'm going to bounce off of that into the word for today. I'm calling today's message, The Broken Boy Divides the Church. And everybody here is broken. I'm broken. You're broken. When we're younger, we're probably a little bit more broken. We learn and we change as we go through life. And as we walk with the Lord, he heals our brokenness. Hallelujah. But we come with a brokenness. And so I'm not picking out on anyone in the Bible, but there's a brokenness in most lives. But I'm looking at a guy who was really broken for a while and how he divided that church because it wasn't a church, it was the church. There was only one church. In fact, today there's only one church and we're called Christians. So wherever Christians gather, if you're born again, you're a brother and a sister of mine and I'm your brother whether you want to know that or not, all right? So we're all connected in that way. I'm going to be looking today at the book of Acts chapter 15, looking mainly 35 to 41. If you want to get the full impact, feed yourself at home as well and read the entire chapter. 
I'm going to jump in to two men. We're looking at three guys here, two men, and I'm calling him a boy. The history tells us a guy called John Mark was somewhere between 16 and 19. That's what they reckon he was. And into that situation were two powerful men of God, Paul and Barnabas. And they're in the church, and trouble came into the church. So may God bless his word to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul and Barnabas were preaching the word of God at the church in Antioch. One day, Paul suggested to Barnabas, let's revisit the churches in all the towns we visited and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them, but Paul didn't think that was wise to bring him along as he had previously deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued the work of God or in the work of God. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and they sailed for Cyprus. But Paul went with Silas to Syria, having been blessed by the brothers. Now, to understand what happened here, I just want to bring in a little bit of um, understanding or context. Let me ask you a question. How many Gospels are there in the Bible? Four. Who can tell me the four authors? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all bring something different in telling the life of Jesus. John, for example, was a highly relational guy. For John, it was all about heart connection. And John is the kind of guy everyone wanted at his party. You know, he just got on with people. He connected with people. He carries that heart with him in his letters or epistles as well. And it's about his love relationship with his friend, Jesus Christ, his Savior. If you look at Matthew, Matthew was, in effect, a civil servant, if you will. And he brings a kind of a bit of a balanced overview in his gospel. But there are two other gospel writers, and both of them are present in today's story. One of them is called Mark, who used to be known as John Mark, uh, but the other guy is like the silent fourth man in this scenario, and his name was Luke. And Luke was the writer of not only the Gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts. Acts means history. Our movement is called Christianity, that you subscribe to, that you follow, and the beginnings of our movement we know that Luke wrote the history of that, Acts. He was a doctor, a physician. I always picture Luke as like a chess player. He was a thinking guy, very cerebral. He would have liked to have thought out the third and fourth chess move that had yet to happen. Luke was a details man. Luke goes into stuff that none of the other boys tell us anything about. For example, at Christmas time, it's usually Luke we read from because the others don't give the same kind of detail. I picture Luke as a chess player. However, Mark was quite different. And Mark's gospel is the shortest of all the gospels. Powerful stuff in there. And remember, every verse of the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 
but Mark comes from a different perspective. It's a bit like if you're WhatsApping someone, let's say. If, if I send you a message, you're going to lose the will to live because I go into all the detail. I'll tell you, some of you are laughing already, you see? You see, I, I, I want everyone to know as much as possible so there's no confusion. So I'll give all the details and the caveats. But that probably was Luke. But Mark wasn't like that. Mark is the kind of guy, do you ever text or message someone and they just text you back and go, K? <laughs> Not okay, just K. It's like grand. And if, if Mark was, John Mark was send you a WhatsApp today, it would be the bare information. We're meeting tonight, 7K. That would be it. It wouldn't be, we're meeting my father and mother because my father hasn't been well. There'd be none of that, like, just the bare thing. So I always picture Mark, and we kind of get this vibe about him, that he was kind of um, a guy who got restless. Did you ever sit with someone, and a guy, and his leg is always going? And you're talking, and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, what's the next thing? Now, sometimes I do it myself, and Denise says, stop the leg, Tom. Stop the leg thing, Tom. But I always think of Mark like that. He was just, come on, let's go on to the next thing. Don't get into too much detail. So these two men were coming from an opposite end of the spectrum. It's not that they didn't um, respect each other or anything like that, but they were just so different. And I think you have to understand that and understand that the guy under the guidance of the Holy Spirit who wrote this account in the book of Acts, he, I would suspect, never fully understood John Mark's intention. He didn't know what it was like to feel kind of itchy feet and just get out of a situation and move on. It wasn't in Luke's DNA, but it was in Mark's DNA. And so when we read some of the verses, just understand the human being, Luke, is bringing a perspective that maybe wouldn't be to you. Now, the Holy Spirit wants it there, but it's good for us to understand what's happening. So here they are anyway in the church called Antioch, and this is the church you want to be part of. It's thriving. People are being born again all the time there. People are being healed of their sickness. There's a great move of God there, and they send out people like Paul and Barnabas to start new churches. The word we use is planting. And they plant a churches all over Turkey and Greece and so on. So Antioch is a brilliant church and the two fathers of that church are Barnabas and Paul. So these are big important figures and everybody respected both of them and loved both of them. And so we're told they were preaching the word of God at the church there. Now History suggests that their ministry complemented one another, that they both came at preaching and pastoral work and ministry in a slightly different way, and when they were together, they were a great team. And so part of the understanding of what was happening in the church in Antioch was what God was doing with these two men. Now, we're told that they didn't have any wives, but many Bible scholars suggest Paul was a widower, that his wife had died and he hadn't remarried. We don't know for certain, but that's the suggestion given uh, Jewish culture. Either way, with this fallout that happened, there wasn't any wives 
by their side to bring a bit of a filter or a bit of a balance. Because when Paul suggested to Barnabas they go back and on another mission trip and visit the churches, Barnabas, as we read, wanted to bring this young guy, John Mark, with them, and Paul wouldn't have it. And so we're told they had a sharp disagreement, so much so they parted company. Now, this is kind of tragic, isn't it? I think this is tragic. You're in a powerful church. God is doing something great. And then the two big characters have a big fallout. That would have wounded everyone who was involved in that church community. Even the ones on the fringe who hardly cared would have felt a bit of hurt at that. And the people who really took their faith seriously would have been quite wounded by it. In a way, it's as if the enemy, and I don't want to overblow this, but the enemy just found a landing strip in between these two personalities for what happened. Neither of them had a wife to filter or balance things out. Can I say, brothers, husbands, our wives protect us? Would any of the men say amen? amen? And sisters, husbands protect wives as well. Would any of the sisters say amen? amen. Gosh, that wasn't as enthusiastic as the lads. <laughs> the men are all up for it, but I don't know. Are they, would any of the sisters say amen? amen. Okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> But these guys were responding or reacting to this situation. And it's important to note, this wasn't heretical. It's not that Barnabas said, I no longer believe in the virgin birth. Or that Paul said, I don't know, did Jesus really rise from the dead? There was nothing doctrinal here, so it wasn't fundamental. Neither was it of the other guy's character. It's not that one of them was sleeping around with the young girls in the church. There was nothing like that going on. This was a personality clash over a strategic issue of ministry. Paul was never saying, John Mark can't come to church. He was just saying, his life needs to change because if he's going to be involved in ministry, there needs to be a bit of change there. So it's no good me, for example, being up here preaching and I'm out drunk on the street last night, is it? Hello? No, of course not. I have to walk the talk. If anyone is ministering, we have to walk the talk. And so there was nothing fundamental like that going on here, and yet there was a sharp disagreement. I don't know that I would have liked to have been in the room when the two boys, these two giants of the faith, had a fallout. It just shows us that everyone is human, doesn't it? And if you think someone is a pastor or he's on YouTube or on the God Challenge, you know what? He or she is just a human being like you. We all have failings. We all make mistakes. And every man and woman is a sinner because Jesus is our Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Bible says if anyone says they have no sin, they deceive themselves. So don't let any guy in a flashy suit tell you he has no sin. He does. So do I and so do you. Amen? So these two human beings, but these two giants in the church have a major fallout and a wound comes into the church. And we're told Barnabas took John Mark and went to Cyprus. Paul and Silas went to Syria, having been blessed by the brothers. First thing we see is that Barnabas went to Cyprus. 
Now, if you look at the Bible, you can see Barnabas is a new name. A guy became a Christian, and he took the name Barnabas when he became a Christian. Anyone? It's, it's a hard one. Anyone know what he used to be known as? Uh, you heard me say that at the first service. Go hear that. So he used to be called Joseph. And Joseph, we're told in the book of Acts early on, came from the island of Cyprus. So what does Barnabas, or Joseph, a.k.a. Joseph, do? He goes home. He goes back to where he came from. Because he used to come from Cyprus. And that's what you do, and I do. If we're wounded, we tend to go home and lick our wounds, don't we? Home is a sanctuary, it should be. Or we go to be with people who get us, who understand us. The people of Cyprus knew Barnabas. He would have felt more at home there. And so he goes back, if you will, to lick his wounds. Remember, he's not married. Paul would have been a big personality in his life. And Paul and Silas go and do what Paul was originally suggesting. And I love the last bit. Remember what I said about Luke, the, the silent fourth man in this context. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And this man of detail puts in this last bit, having been blessed by the brothers. Paul was blessed by the brothers, not Barnabas. Paul, it would appear, the churches took Paul's side to some degree in this. They blessed Paul. And Luke needn't have entered this. Luke need have said nothing. But obviously the Holy Spirit wanted it put in there. And here we see God using Luke's personality. So if you think you're a terribly detailed person, you know what? God is going to use you. And if you're not a detailed person at all, God is going to use you. He'll use different people for different situations. Would anyone say amen? amen. That's why the Bible says we're like a body. It's like your physical body. Can the eye say to the ear, I have no need of you. We are all needed. Viva la différence, as the French say. God bless the difference. Long live the difference. We're not meant to be clones. If this was a church full of Tom Burks, God help us. I would be the first to leave. I promise you that. I can't even begin if it was all Michael O'Donovan's. I'd actually, I'd join that church. I'd stay, I'd stay in that church. I would, I would. Anyway, so you get the picture. So it's really getting kind of hurtful here. Here's the family that this young fellow, John Mark, came from. I'm calling them the Mark family. We know from Acts 13, they were part of the Christian movement from the beginning. Now, if you join a political party, or the local GA football club, or you're in a drama group, or a tennis club, or whatever it is, there are always prominent families in any human um, group of people. And the Christian church is no exception. And the Mark family were one of the prominent families back then. So we think, and it's almost certain, that the people in John Mark's family actually were part of the original 500 who followed Jesus. John Mark's mother was called Mary. A lot of Marys in the Bible. But she was known as a patronas, Latin word. These are people who had large houses and they opened up their homes. It's like Dennis and Myra Linhan are here. And this couple, God bless you, when I was a young fella, as stupid as John Mark, Dennis and Myra Linhan opened up their home and welcomed a whole load of us as teenagers in. 
and we came to know Jesus in your home. Will we give respect to Dennis and Myra Lenehan? God bless you guys. And you mightn't think that's anything, but you know there is a respect and a blessing for those who open up their homes. She opened up her home. It looks like her husband was dead. And they usually had a large upper room, about the size of this hall. You could fit a couple of hundred people in there. And they did it at great personal cost because they could have been arrested like that. They could have been thrown in prison. They weren't worried about what would happen to their bodies. They were taken up with what would happen to their souls. Hallelujah. And so Mary, Mark I'll call her, was a patronus, someone with great respect in the early Christian church. And Colossians 4 tells us that this family were spread all over because there we read that John Mark's cousin was none other than Barnabas himself. So this family had members everywhere. They were a huge influence in the Christian church. And this is the family that Paul takes a stand against. You see, Paul wasn't afraid to stand up for what he felt was right. Here's one of the verses to complete this, Acts 12, 12. After escaping from prison, Peter went to Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, as many believers had gathered there to pray. This is Peter, the early leader of the Christian church, who was in prison and he escaped from prison. Where's the first place that the big man of the Christian church goes, having been miraculously delivered from prison? He goes to Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, that's the kind of authority and respect this family had. Remember, he's at the door and a maid called Rhoda looks out and she says, that must be Peter's angel. Michael preached on it a few months ago. So this is the family. So, whoa, Paul, you weren't afraid to stand up against one of the most powerful families in the Christian church. No, they weren't a mafia. It's just a family that were really following Jesus. And so by coming against this young fella coming into ministry, Paul is really taking a stand. Let's just look briefly at the guy's life. The boy joins the men. Again, late teens, Acts 12, 25, he starts going to help Paul and Barnabas in ministry. Can you imagine what was happening over the dinner table in John Mark's house? What, what would happen in your house? Especially a parent who's got a son, let's say, that age or a daughter. I can imagine they're all having dinner and maybe one of the uncles or one of the cousins or the mother or whatever says, you know, Paul is a great man of God. Barnabas, your cousin, they are bringing the gospel of Jesus all over the empire. Wouldn't it be great if you went and helped them? You could help them in this great work. You could learn the trade, if you will, of being a gospel preacher and a minister, and you would bless them and bless yourself and bless the family. I'd say every member of the family was cheering John Mark on to go and join this ministry. And so here we are, let's say he's 18. He goes off and the boy joins the men. And for a while it worked because we're told in Acts 13.5 he was literally assisting Paul and Barnabas. He was doing the job, but then we're told in Acts 13.13, 13, there's an interesting series of numbers, the boy goes home. 
he left Paul and Barnabas, he abandoned them, and he went to Jerusalem, which is his hometown. Now, I wonder where he went to when he went home. Where do you think? His mother. When I grew up in Cork, my mother, we called her Mammy, Mam. And then kind of in the 80s, maybe it was British TV, I don't know, Mammy became Mum or Mummy. And now I notice in the last 10, 15 years, maybe it's American uh, media, Mummy has become Mommy. But whether it's your Mammy, your Mummy or your Mommy, there's a thing usually between mothers and sons, isn't there? Oh gosh, we're after hitting the sore spot there. Sometimes mothers and sons really click. And I think when John Mark left these guys and he went home, he would have gone home to his mother. And I can imagine what he said. No, this isn't the Bible, but this is what I think. Something along the lines of this happened. I'd say he went home and he went, Ma'am, ma'am, they snore all night, like, I can't get any sleep. And ma'am, they sleep in caves, like. And Paul never washes his big hairy armpit and there's an awful smell off him, ma'am. And ma'am, all we get is a bit of bread and water. There's no nice dinners like you make, mammy, mummy, mommy. There's nothing like that. I can imagine John Mark coming home and he was really turned off, being with the men. It was hard on the road. How did his mother react? We don't know, but she would have been a mature believer. I would suspect she gave him a lovely dinner gave him a bit of a cuddle, let him have a good night's sleep, and then when the emotion dies down, let the emotion die down, then she started talking. You know what, John Mark? You really need to look at what you've done because running away, dropping something halfway through is never a good idea. And you know what? He did take his mother's advice, if that was her advice, because we know that he was restored back shortly or sometime later. But here's where I want you to be interactive with me, and I'm asking the guys in the atrium as well with Charles and Mary upstairs to do the same. Every human being, every Christian, everyone listening in or here today, we will all be in a situation where we will fall out with someone. It might be our husband or wife. It could be our mother or father or son or daughter. It could be a friend. It could be someone in the church. We all fall out with someone. Everybody here has fallen out with someone. So have I. Sometimes it's our fault. Amen? Oh, Janie. But usually it's the other person's fault, isn't it? <laughs> There's a story told of a, of a very um, proud mother of her son before World War I, and all the soldiers were marching through Regent Square in London, and this mother was well-connected, and she was next to all the generals. And as all the soldiers were marching, the mother turns to the general next to her, and she says, all the soldiers are marching out of time, except for my Johnny. They're all out of step. So, I don't know, maybe you've got the Johnny mentality. Everyone else is wrong and you're always right. I don't know. But we all fall out. And here's where I want a bit of interaction. You see, if we look at Paul and Barnabas, I think in a very short-handed way, we can see two types of people and two types of response to a situation. If we are self-aware, self-aware, 
then maybe we can protect ourselves and the people we love by knowing our first instinct and by making sure we have people in our lives who are different to us, who will balance us out. You see, Paul, his situation or his kind of personality was tough love. Paul was a kind man, he was a decent man, but if a challenge was needed, Paul would bring the challenge. Paul wasn't afraid to get into a situation and bring a bit of, I'm calling it, tough love. And I think some of us here are probably a bit like Paul. I'm going to put my hands up and say, I'm probably in my nature, initially, a bit like this. However, I have over 40 years, hopefully, knowing something of the kindness of God in my own life. And so I hope I've balanced out a bit. I certainly know my beloved wife, Denise, is way kinder than me. And she brings an awful lot of balance to my initial reaction. I equally know in ministry or friendship, Michael is a lot kinder than me as well. And Michael will bring um, a balance to me. And maybe sometimes I bring a balance into the situation as well. <laughs> I'm Johnny, am I? <laughs> anyway, you get the picture. Whereas Barnabas was more like Michael, he was always kind. Is he always kind, Elma? Elma's shaking her head. No, no, she's shaking her head. Shake her head. <sighs> Barnabas was a kind man. Barnabas's first instinct. Now, we want you to tell us which one you are. You don't have to, but I'm going to ask you in a moment. Barnabas's first thing is try and show kindness. Show kindness and maybe encourage. That's why they called him son of encouragement. Paul would show encouragement, but sometimes he'd go, you know what? This has gone on too far. You can't come into ministry, John Mark, because you abandoned the work. You need to grow up a bit, young fella. You need to change a bit. You need to have a change of heart. Now, I'm going to ask you, who here, you don't have to do this or in the atrium, but just so we'll understand this concept, because it protects the church, protects marriage, protects family, protects you. How many people here would honestly say, my first instinct is probably more towards tough love? If that's you and you're willing to share it, would you stand? Good girl, Juvie. Come on, that's it. Elma, I, do you know what? No wonder you have a great marriage. Do you know... This is really interesting because it was the same last time. So I think we've got about, about nine of us, eight of us. Okay, thank you guys. You can sit down. How many people would say their first reaction was more Barnabas and Barnabas's reaction was kindness? Would you stand if you'd say, that's probably your first? Oh, look at all these beautiful people. Okay, way more who would respond in a kind way than in a tough love way. Thank you, guys. It's just good for us to know and to have a rough idea. It was the same at the 10 o'clock service. I would say three quarters identified with the kindness uh, response, maybe a quarter to, uh, were the tough love. So you've, you've maybe got a little bit of self-awareness. If you weren't sure which one you are, you can maybe reflect on it. Here's how all of this concluded. This really, in many ways, shouldn't have happened. But you know, when we mess up our lives, praise God, we know someone who'll clean up the mess. Hallelujah. When the builders come in and make a mess of a house, 
do you know what? It gets cleaned up and it's even better in the end. And we know that this turned out well because Colossians 4.10, Paul, Mr. Tough Love, says this, the cousin of Barnabas, John Mark, my fellow worker, is a great comfort to me. Now that's change. How many of us would have written off John Mark and I speak essentially to the tough love people. We go, don't mind that fella. He abandoned everyone. I'll never talk to him again. Never limit the power of God in changing anyone's life. Do you know the people who are the most opposed to the gospel? And I can see faces flashing before my eyes right now of people who resisted Jesus Christ, who spat who cursed. And you know what? They got wonderfully saved. Hallelujah. Sometimes the one who, who resists the most, there's actually something really going on deep down. So never underestimate what God can do to change a Christian's life even further, like John Mark, or to change anyone's life. Let me conclude by quoting from a man who's a great Bible scholar, um, pastor. He preached a lot for the Promise Keepers, which was a Christian men's movement about 20 years ago. And his name is Howard Hendricks. Of this scripture, he says, every disciple needs a Paul to mentor and challenge him and a Barnabas to come alongside and encourage him. If all of the people around you are kind, are you really going to grow a bit of a backbone? Or if all the people around you are the tough love kind of guys, you'll probably end up dead before the year is out. Because they'll be so full of toughness, it, it can kill you. Remember with the tough love people, they're probably really tough on themselves as well. And if you stood up with the tough love thing, you're probably hard on yourself. And you know what? Sometimes you need to show grace to yourself. Amen? You need to show grace to yourself. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for anyone, and this is all new, and the boards are coming down and the light is shining in. We're going to give you the opportunity to respond in just a moment and ask Jesus into your life. But for all of the Christians here, we're going to pray that you would have the opposite in your life. As a friend, maybe as your future marriage partner, because that is a good marriage, that you're different enough that there's an attraction, but similar enough that you get on together. Or maybe it's someone in ministry. I don't know. But we're going to pray that that would be in your life. And I'm also going to ask you to be willing to pray that you would become that person and bless someone else. So maybe there's someone in your circle of friends who could do with a bit of kindness. And you'll say, here I am, Lord. John and the band, can you jump up? We're going to sing. Let's stand, brothers and sisters. And if we could throw up Mohan, the, uh, the song, One Things Remains, higher than the mountains that I face. Whatever the mountain is, whatever the distance you have to go to, the living God will bring us there, but we need people around us to do it. So we're going to pray in just a moment, but let's sing to the Lord. We'll just sing... Uh, verse in a chorus, and then we'll pray. Higher than the mountains. And higher than the mountains that I face. And stronger than the power of 
this one thing remains this one thing remains your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me your love hallelujah we had three people ask jesus into their life at the 10 o'clock service can you imagine the rejoicing in heaven today the angels are rejoicing another three names have been written in the lamb's book of life so i'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes on and off stage and if there's anyone here or in the atrium or in cafe church or maybe you're watching on facebook or instagram or youtube and you've never asked jesus into your life the boards are being pulled off those darkened windows with every eye in the house closed would you slip up a hand and then take it down again? Just so we know we're not. Just keep our eyes closed, guys. Thank you. Okay, see your hand. Praise God. Okay, we have one person here. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of the living God would move upon your soul. And I pray that as you reach out now, that the living God would come into your life, would transform your future, would bring hope instead of hopelessness, would bring a blessing instead of a curse. And as you give your life to Jesus, as you ask him to forgive you your sin, and as you follow him all the days of your life, may he bless you abundantly, and may you know the joy of heaven. We pray this into your life in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray as well for those of us who are either saying, Use me, God. I'll be the tough lover, the kindness to someone who's different. Or maybe I need that type of friend or person in my life. If it's either of those situations, where you stand, would you lift up your hand? Praise God. Father, for every hand that is lifted up, we're saying today, here I am, Lord, would you use me? Help me to bring a balance, not to overwhelm, but to bring a balance to my brother, to my sister. Lord, we equally pray that where we're out of balance, that we would have a teachable spirit and that we would listen to the opposite opinion and maybe to realize that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So we pray your wisdom into every marriage who will say amen. Into every wider family will you say amen. Into every group of friends who will say amen. And into every church community. Oh God, that is represented here, particularly our own church. Lord, bring that wisdom and that protection because we need it. Let us move forward as people with the entire word of God because you are the lion and the lamb. 
We want to have all sides of who you are, God. We pray protection now in Jesus' mighty name and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's just sing the chorus one last time before we close. John. Love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. Hallelujah. We lift our hands for the last time as we pray ourselves into the week ahead. God, every family represented here, whether we're all here or just one of us, will we know divine protection in the week ahead? We pray by day or by night, in the city or in the country, when we're with others or on our own, that our bodies, our minds and our souls would know your protection and your blessing and that you would keep everyone safe until we gather together again on holy ground, on blood-spilt ground, in front of the cross of Jesus Christ, where the Word of God is explained, and the worship of the living God is adored, and we pray you would keep us, O God, and bless us and go before us until that time we meet again. We pray in Jesus' name and for the last time today collectively the people of God said John is going to play us out can I say guys we're going to serve coffee in the courtyard but please even if you can't get a chair out there someone will come to you one of the volunteers and serve you coffee we can't do queues the health authority would close us down like that and if you've got small children they're welcome to sit with you in the courtyard cafe but we can't allow a hundred children to run around the yard. So please, if you could abide with that, can the, the first row start moving out? John is going to play us out and we'll make our way down the hall. God bless you. Go with you. And may you know his glory in the week ahead. Amen.